0: Hi there, we are Haley and Jordan Anderson, and this is the Career Engineering Podcast, where engineers help other engineers have better careers. We're a husband and wife engineering team who are passionate about helping you excel in your workplace.
1: After working in the energy and aerospace industries, we both got our master's degrees in organizational behavior. And in this show, we dive into some of the biggest challenges we each face at work that we didn't learn about in our technical degrees. As engineers, we all love to know how things work. So, on this podcast, we'll look under the hood using research and experience to help you better navigate your coworkers, organizations, and careers. Today, we're excited to bring you the first of this season's bonus episodes where we bring on a guest to talk about key communication principles. In this episode, we're excited to speak with Arnold Morales, an experienced engineering career coach and founder of Non Traditional College Success a nonprofit organization targeted at helping students with non-traditional backgrounds achieve professional success. He's a specialist in helping early career professionals develop their personal brand, network, and land their dream jobs. With our focus on communication this season, we thought it would be helpful to zoom in on some of the most critical communications in our careers, those with recruiters, companies, and in building our networks. We hope you learn as much as we did from this great discussion. Enjoy.
0: Hey, Arnold! Welcome to our podcast. We're excited to have you.
2: Thank you. I'm excited for this.
0: Great. Uh, so, audience, uh, Arnold is uh, an expert in, uh, has become an expert in um, what we're calling, uh, I'd say, non traditional career success, right? I think that's a yep. good maybe summary title for it, um, which actually the I'll, I'll let Arnold's um, actually give the full background of his experience. But uh, we're really excited to have you and, and primarily excited to have you shed some light on how engineers can best communicate and develop their presence to really in, engage with companies better and also uh, achieve that career success that they desire.
3: Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. And I'm, I'm super excited. So to kick us off here today, Arnold, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your background and your story?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll start from like, way back since it goes around my story of being non traditional. Um, I, I was born in the US then from the US um, kind of elementary school, then I'm middle school and high school I did in Honduras. So in Central America, so it was kind of it's very different. And then I came back to the U.S. So I, I felt like an immigrant, but I really wasn't um, because I, I was born here, but I didn't grow up here. So it was interesting because I was never Honduran enough to be Honduras because I wasn't born over there. And I was never American enough because I didn't grow up here. So I was like, hey, where am i am from? Whatever. <laughs> um, so aside from that, I guess a big portion of it is I came and I was working at a warehouse, kind of doing the, the average uh, immigrant type work. I was just working at a warehouse. I hated it. Um, I remember it was terrible. So I was just like, one day I was like, what do these people that are my managers, what do they have that I don't? And I was like, oh, they all have like associate's degrees. So then I went to community college. Well, I didn't even have high school diplomas. First I got a GED, then I went to uh, community college, and that's kind of where it all kind of blew off. Um, I did. I started engineering school without knowing what an engineer was. I had no idea what an engineer was. I started. Um, with low income. So I had no idea how I was going to pay for school. I was first generation. So I had no idea what I was doing. And I was a minority in Indiana. So no one really looked like me. Like no one spoke Spanish, at least <laughs> in Indiana, in engineering school, at least like one person. So all that against me, I, I still kind of was able to like really succeed. And I, that's kind of like the story that I, I make sure that students and early career professionals learn is like, hey, you don't have to grow up and be groomed to be successful. It's really about, it's not where you start, it's more about the journey. I was able to at the community college to do so many great things, got invited to go to NASA as an aerospace scholar, got to sit behind President Obama on one of his speeches on free community college, got invited to be on Mike Pence's a previous vice president's panel for Indiana, he was an Indiana governor at that time, um, for like, college education. And then from that, I got a full ride right scholarship to IUPUI, where I did my mechanical engineering, then got like Purdue University, my master's. So I ended up getting all these like, pretty much $60,000 in free money and leading all these efforts and getting invited to all these incredible things. Career-wise also was going great. I, after graduating from that community college, I, I went back and I was a professor at the community college teaching CAD courses. I interned at Northrop Grumman, where I was um, working on the nuclear defense system in Utah. So I was working with GBSD and all those really cool projects as an intern. Then when I was doing my, um, my master's, I was working part-time at Praxer, um, which is a coding company. They coat a lot of aerospace parts. And then I ended up landing my dream job, which was a systems engineer at Boeing in a rotation program. So I um, started at Boeing um, three years ago, and that's kind of the career-wise. And then there was that, hey, I'm, I'm new to the city. I'm in a rotation program. I don't know people anymore. So it was like, okay, how do I help students? Because I used to help students since like community college, school, everything. I was always giving uh, motivational speeches. So it was like, how do I help students now being far from everybody? And there's a pandemic, so I can't really meet in person. And that's kind of how I started a podcast. Then it went to like LinkedIn content. It grew from like 500 to 10,000 followers in like the first year. So like a lot of people really liked what I had to say. So I kept on showing up on podcasts, like now going to people's events. And then it just kept on growing. And now it's gotten to a point where um, I'm nominated for the community service award for the Shep Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. And I get all these like op- awesome opportunities, both at work and in the community because of all this um just helping students. And that's kind of what I love to do. I was a career ambassador in, in high school also. So just helping students land their dream job. Our focus is to help non-traditional students. But Honestly, it's non-traditional. People are like, oh, I'm not non-traditional. It's like 75% of those students are non-traditional, either like you're low income or you're first generation or you're an older student or you're working or anything. Like most students are actually non-traditional. So a lot of students relate to that. And then we do focus on engineering, mostly mostly kind of aerospace and mechanical sector, electrical, but mostly like the aerospace um, and vehicle industry, automotive industry, and that's kind that's, of Arnold in a nutshell.
3: <laughs> that's awesome, man. that's really incredible, inspiring story from you there. Out of curiosity, what traits would you say have contributed the most to your success, especially as like a first generation minority student?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it goes to um, not be scared to ask always asking. I remember like students don't get scholarships and I'm actually on. The, so I also do like a whole bunch of advisory councils. I sit on the advisory council for Hispanic scholarship fund for the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation under, um, for La Plaza for several um, nonprofits that give scholarships and students don't apply or students don't ask for scholarships. So one of those things is like, just ask. Like one of those traits is just having that trait of going out and asking. And and that's something that's like in networking and finding jobs. Um, it's like, hey, go out and re- reach out to professionals. Go out and reach out to recruiters. If you don't ask, the answer like you're never going to get a, a referral or anything if you're not asking for them. So you need to go out there and ask. Don't be shy to ask. And the only way to get good at it is by doing it a lot. So like, it's kind of like, I I keep on joking at the Girl Scout cookie sellers. They're gonna be like the best uh, networkers in the future because they just don't care if you say no. (laughs) Like they don't care about your response. They just got used to like the constant reaching out to people and getting rejected, rejected, rejected. And, uh, hey, you only need one yes for getting a job. You only need one yes in a scholarship. So that's, I guess, is the other portion, kind of a perfect segue, is that um, consistency, that persistence, that never give up, there's so many times when people told me, oh, Arnold, you're going to a community college. You're never going to get a good job. You're never going to get into a good school. Oh, Arnold, you went to an on-target school. You're never going to get into a good job. Oh, you're you're going to Boeing. Oh, they're giving you probably, you're probably like a minority hire or something like that. And I was like, well, wait a minute. It's like, I'm, I'm, I got into their most prestigious program through the school, not even through like a conference or anything. So there's always going to be people telling you things to put you down. But if you're that person that keeps on being persistent and keeps on Trying to go for your goals—that's um, a big thing. One of my LinkedIn posts went viral, and it was about being rejected from the same my dream company like six or eight times, and just keep on going and kept on going and kept on going back every single year until I finally got that offer. Um, so I was—it it's a combination of that, not being scared to ask, making sure you're out there, um, getting out of your comfort zone. That's kind of what that entails in, and just being persistent and keep on trying.
3: Yeah. Awesome advice. And definitely relates to what else we want to talk about here today. So thank you.
0: Yeah. So this season we're focused on communication and we know this can be an area of weakness for a lot of engineers. So I'd love to hear from you. You know, there are very clear engineering stereotypes out there. How prevalent do you think these actually are? And if so, which ones are most common in your experience?
2: Yeah, I I would say communication. And it's true. It's like I don't know how to put this in a nice way, but you can do it as best of the work impossible. You can be the most technical expert, but if you're not good at communicating, one, people won't really understand your ideas. People, you won't be, you won't be able to sell your ideas. So it's more of a, of a selling your ideas, being, being kind of a impromptu speaker, being more of a speaker, you're never going to be able to talk in front of a group and kind of convince them if you don't have that communication skills. And, and that's been, like, crucial for, like, honestly, my early career. Um, and it's been mostly because of communication, because I haven't been scared to be a presenter. I haven't been scared to say, hey, I don't know the complete answer, but I'll present on it. And I will say... Oh, I'm not. I don't know about this. Does anyone have a suggestion? Does anyone? So, and the only reason you you get good at that is by doing it. It goes back to like the Girl Scout cookies. Like the only way you'll get good at it is by doing it. I think I'm a really good speaker because I do it a lot. I'm always speaking at presentations. I'm speaking at podcasts. I'm doing so. It, I just got good at it by doing it a lot. And that's something that people just need to do. Communication in general, it's gonna it's gonna be it's the most important part because you can have the best ideas. But if you don't sell it, if you don't communicate well, those ideas are just going to go to waste and then you just get mad and, and nothing great will happen. So I think communication is one of those things like that really help you grow in the companies. And that's something that everybody should be working on all the time.
3: And as you've mentioned, you know, some of the most important communicating that we do in our careers is early on when we're trying to find a job or at any point along the way as yeah. we're searching for new opportunities. Um, these are, of course... Some of the most high pressure and high risk situations as well, so that that makes it even more difficult. And so, from your perspective, when you're looking for a job, whether it's your first role or a career change or what have you, what types of communications matter most? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, so it's going to be a combination of one. Starting your job search doesn't didn't start at applying online. It should start before that, networking with people. So having that skill of Reaching out to someone in an in a email, like not an email, but like a LinkedIn message that's short and concise. So that written skills of kind of like a salesperson. If you start like I get about 10 LinkedIn messages every single day and there, some of them are like these paragraphs of students just telling me their life story and their resume attached. I have no idea who they are. I usually say send them my template email. Hey, here's all these free resources. Go look at them. That's usually what I do. But then there's some students that are very short and, and they look at, at, at your profile. and They tell you something specific. They have a question. They like take the extra time, not just a copy paste um, email to kind of talk to you. And then you, you want to talk to those students. And then after that, or early career professionals, I, I get them all the time too. Um, from there, you start building a relationship. So it's that communication of trying to build a relationship with people. Um, first, you're going to need to be able to get in the door by doing a really good written um, kind of sales pitch, short, concise, to the point. And then after that is kind of that, that building a relationship, meeting up with people, 15 minutes tag ups. And that's more of a listening type scenario. You want to listen to people. You don't want to sell your story the first meeting. You want to listen to people and learn from them. Ask them how do they get into the company. Ask them things like that. So it's kind of that, that relationship building. And then from there, you need to be really good at like your elevator pitch, your resume needs to be kind of the same written. And also like your elevator pitch when you go to in-person conferences, it needs to be kind of that both written and, and verbal communication that really kind of gets you that interview. And then at the interview, you have to really sell yourself. And most of the engineers, and it's very common, very, very common, because I, I've been a recruiter also for a lot of the big aerospace companies. And they just want to bombard you with all the information on their resume, everything. And it's like, no you need to one target, you need to target the job. You need to make sure that if that job is some systems engineering, then you say why you're a good systems engineer, not everything that you've done in your life. Also, they are people, they're not robots. So if it's in person, try to make it conversational, try to make it fun. Um, and we had actually two students come live on the, on the show and, t- and give their elevator pitches. So it was really cool. Um, so yeah, so I guess that that would, without going into details, because we could talk about this for like a whole hour, <laughs> just these
0: topics. So in terms of that um, elevator pitch for an individual, are there some key snippets of what it needs to be included and maybe how long an elevator pitch should be?
2: Yeah, definitely. So I would say anything like um, you want an elevator pitch to just to start the conversation. You don't want the whole like one minute. Um, I would say like something like 20 seconds where you come in, first thing you do is smile, like just to make people feel comfortable. Smile, it, it's, it, it really uh, take a pause and smile especially if the recruiters have been there for hours and hours, they're kind of like in zombie mode. And, and I've been in it several times. And when those students come in, they take your hand, they smile, and they take a breath. And I was like, how's it going? Um, this has been a long line. Like, uh, how's your day going? They, they, It breaks the cycle. It breaks that cycle of, okay, elevator pitch, blah, 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 look at resume. All right, next elevator pitch, look at resume. Um, it breaks that cycle. So you're like, I guess I'm going to start. My name is Arnold, and I don't want to hear your, your complete life story, but it's like, my name is Arnold. I don't really care about your last name. If I do, I'll see it there. My name is Arnold. I'm looking for a systems engineering job because I'm, I'm systems engineering, so that's I what I focus on. And, and here's why I would be a great systems engineer. I have experience in systems engineering. I've done this, this, and this, which is experience in systems engineering. After that, aside from I meet the requirements, I'm also above and beyond person. I also get involved. I'm also a leader. So those are like the, 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 the hits. And, and I tell them like, so I think I would be a great systems engineer because I have experience because I'm a leader. And because I, I like to get involved with the community and, then I, and I hit what, why am I, what is my expertise? Why am I a leader? And, why? and then that just brings up conversation. Like, do you have any questions? And then at the end of the elevator pitch, make sure you always ask like, hey, what are the next steps? Can I get your contact information? So those are the little things that they're like, you know, it makes you think like, okay, this person asked me for the next step. So uh, yeah, you, you're, you're, pretty good. So I'll, I'll let you know, um, tomorrow we'll send you an email because if, if you just leave without knowing what the next steps are, <laughs> you're not going to know. So that's what I would say kind of the quickest elevator pitch I could give you. Yeah,
0: that was a good elevator pitch on elevator pitches. That was fantastic.
2: Yeah.
3: There <laughs> very nice. Do you have any guidelines on when maybe a pitch should or shouldn't be used? I can imagine maybe so cautionary tales of situations
2: where it was not the right time to hit someone with an elevator pitch yeah at networking events <laughs> if you're at like a hospitality suite or or whatever they call it pretty much just a meet and greet areas don't, don't be elevator pitching everyone get your resume out it's not a career fair um that's when you should be like getting to know people like hey and that's the same thing like relationship building most people are going to think wow, Arnold is great at conversations, when in reality, Arnold just read a book that tells people love to talk about themselves. So make them talk about themselves, and then they're going to love you. <laughs> so just make people talk about themselves and throw in little things about you. That's when I say don't do elevator pictures. If you're like at a, at a dinner, at a, like, like, I'm talking like conferences, if you're like a, in a networking event, or you're at a dinner or anything like that, it's not the time to do your elevator pictures, the time to learn about people, and then ask them for their contact information. So you can follow up with them and after a couple of times of talking to them, then you could be like, "Hey, here's a, uh, here's kind of an elevator pitch. Are you interested in hearing it? Are you interested in seeing my resume?" And then they, you've heard them enough that they're like, "Oh, sure, we would love to. I think you're awesome."
0: Love that tip. That's one of the best ones that I have learned in my career as well. Is that people love talking about themselves and getting to know them yeah, uh, is really helpful. So
2: it's fantastic. Yep. That's why every time I go to a, so I I do I've been in rotation program, so I move a lot uh, positions a lot. And that's kind of the first thing I do. I sit with my manager. I sit with my team and I ask them about the personal lives. I ask them about them. Who are you? Before I even get into any work stuff. And that just makes it so much easier to work because they want to help you after that. Because like, oh, this person's interested in not just me as a, as a tool using me, but also as a person.
0: So We talked a little about this idea of psychological contracts and kind of social relationships at work uh, on an early episode of the podcast. So that plays right into it. I, I totally agree. It makes a big difference. Well, your elevator pitch is kind of one part of an overall image or brand of yourself. And so I guess, what, would you, what advice would you give to individuals in developing their personal brand?
2: Personal brand is kind of one of those things. It's like, hey, you want to target three things that you want people to know you by. Um, usually for me, it's I want people to know me as a non-traditional success story. I, I want people to know me as an aerospace engineer. And then I want people to know me as a human being. Like I'm actually a person. I'm not just this this face of of a great success story and a a professional. I'm also a dad. I'm also a special needs dad. My daughter has special needs. I'm also a husband. So I share all those things on my LinkedIn profile. So those are kind of my three main things I, I kind of rotate around. And then it's just also putting yourself out there. So like sharing on LinkedIn, sharing on podcasts, sharing... Um, in presentations, sharing your, your, your story and what you want people to know because personal brand is kind of like what people talk about you when you're not in the room. What people like, oh, Arnold, wh- who is Arnold? Ar- we know Arnold as a systems engineer that does a lot of motivational speaking. So they always invite me to all these things. So it goes, a- and then you get opportunities because of the personal brand. And the biggest thing you realize it's people all the time say, hey, it's not what you know, but who you know. That's not even true. It's not who you know, it's who knows you. Because like I can know who everyone in the org chart is, but if no one knows me, when there's an opportunity coming up, they're not gonna say, hey Arnold, there's this opportunity. You wanna make sure that people know who you are. And the only way for people to know who you are is by not getting out of your comfort zone, presenting, using those communication skills to present, take those opportunities that other people don't want to do and put yourself out there. If your company has some type of Facebook type thing, um, most companies do use that to promote yourself. Um, If your company has events, Go and promote yourself. If LinkedIn is one of those tools that everybody should be on promoting themselves in like the professional arena. So start building your personal brand that way. And that's kind of what and then with time it starts building as a brand.
3: And we always hear about the importance of networking, and you've definitely hit on this some already. It can definitely be intimidating for myself and I'm sure for oh, yeah. many others. So for you, like how do you approach networking and maybe what are some more tips that you have? to make sure that those are meaningful
2: connections, like you said. The thing I do first is I, I realize that it's awkward for everyone. Um, networking is just awkward for everyone. I, everybody knows we need to do it. Everybody's like, oh, I have to go network. So it's like, first of all, going in that room, knowing that it's awkward. Second, what, what I do usually is I just go up to people and start talking and, and start like, hey, um, how's it going? How's your day going? Um, so, so why are you here? What do you do? Learning about them. And then I talk to them about, oh, I, and then they usually want to know about me. So I tell them. Um, if I see that the conversation is going nowhere or this is like useless and then just move on, move to the, talk to the next person. You're like, okay, I'm waste my time here. I'm not going to be standing here. All right, go to the next person. And then you're going to start finding people that you really like and making sure you get that contact information for the future. You'll be like, Hey, it was great talking to you. Um, make sure you don't spend the whole like networking event with one person. Make sure you, you get to know a little bit of people because like the ideal thing with networking, like, especially like in, in events that you go and network or it's, like networking events is. Kind of get an uh, introduction to these people so you can start building that relationship later. And a lot with networking is also go to events that people like volunteer for. So let's say um, volunteering events to go help middle school students do STEM-related projects. Go to things with like employee resource groups. In the companies that I've worked, there's been, like a Hispanic employee resource group, pretty much like student organizations, but for employees. Um, they've been like a woman group. There's been like a LGBT group. So there's all these groups that are different. Go to those groups and start meeting people there. Because a lot of the time that people that volunteer and do all these things are people that like to help. And if you start networking with a lot of people that like to help, they're going to want to help you. So that's great. So later when you need an opportunity, you know, all these helpful people and you kind of rely on them. And the biggest thing is don't do SOS networking. Don't do that. Hey, I'm in emergency. I need, I need a job. I need this. Uh, Make sure you're building those relationships ahead of time. And one great way to do that is by posting on LinkedIn. And I guess I'm not a LinkedIn salesperson, I promise. (laughs) But um, because people start seeing, because LinkedIn is like, Instagram, you don't want people to be seeing your personal stuff at work. So LinkedIn is a great way. It's like, okay, everything's professional related. I kind of throw in some personal stuff in there, but that's okay. It's very easy to go viral compared to like other places, or it's very easy to your connections to see your, because anything you like, everyone else of your connections see that you liked it. So it's very easy to see people, other people to see your stuff. So people keep on seeing your stuff all the time, keep on seeing your posts. So they feel like they know you. They feel like they've been talking to you this whole time. When in reality, you even have no idea who they are or you just have talked to them a couple of times, but they feel like they know you. And then that goes to back to the, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. And then you get opportunities from that. I talk to people all the time and they're like, oh, Arnold, yeah, I know you. You're on LinkedIn, all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I like, great, thank you. Thank, thank you for following and supporting. And then I and I have to ask them about them. So I have no idea who you are, but okay, great. <laughs>
3: And kind of just building on on that, like networking in a virtual space such as LinkedIn, uh, you obviously aren't meeting these people face to face. And so what makes that different or how do you do that effectively as opposed to uh, talking to people one on one?
2: Yeah, so I I would go back to that posting. It's a great way. I'm commenting on people's posts. That's another great way because people, especially like if you're, if you're, if you feel it's too awkward to post, go comment on other people's posts, especially go comment on people that like that have a lot of followers or people that are in the industries that you want to or people that you look up to because then their network is going to start seeing you. Everyone has posted on like Instagram or Facebook and you don't receive no likes and no comments and you just feel like, wow, that's awkward. (laughs) So that's the same thing with LinkedIn and it it happens all the time. So if you're that one person that that comments on someone else's, they're going to love that. And then it's taking the those conversations offline. It's like setting up Zoom meetings, 15-minute Zoom meetings with people that you really admire, you really want to talk more to. I have like a calendar link where I guess when students or professionals want to talk, I'm just like, hey, um, here's a 15-minute if I like them. If not, I'm like, hey, all these free resources. <laughs> like, hey, if I, if I really think you're really cool, here's my calendar for 15 minutes. If I don't think you're, if, I, if you're just one other person not... And I just, here's my tempo with all the, all the resources. <laughs> so that's usually what I would say is networking online and going to events. There's, there's all these virtual conferences. So in the past, I really think conferences for early career professional, for everyone, I think it's, they're incredible to go to. And all these conferences are virtual right now. And a lot of them are going virtual again, hybrid this, this year. So make sure you go to those. It's easier to go because you don't have to travel. They're much cheaper right now. Um, So just going to all those things, going and plus you're going to learn a whole bunch, especially like if like, let's say you're in, you're in aerospace like me, go to AIAA conference, go to any of those big aerospace conferences and you'll, you'll enjoy it a lot and network and have fun.
0: You know, it sounds like you've made a lot of different career moves and I know you're in a rotational program, but has networking helped you do that? Or guess how has networking helped you, especially after you've gotten your first role?
2: So networking is that thing that is like, you just have to do it. In a rotation program, everyone wants those rotations that are very popular. Everybody wants to kind of like the, ooh, that rotation sounds cool. Everybody wants to do those. Um, So kind of my strategy has always been network with the people in that group, network with the hiring managers, network with the people that make the decisions and people that work there so they can recommend you. So later when you want to do a rotation there, some people already know you and you can rotate in there. And the other thing is like being very outspoken about what you want. If people don't know what you want, they're not going to help you get there. So it's that, hey, um, especially with some, like if you're trying to get promoted, um, some managers do a terrible job of caring about your career. Everybody thinks like, oh, it's my manager's job to care about my career. No, it's your job to care about your career. So make sure you're having those conversations. Like, hey, I think in the next year or two, I want to get promoted. So what do you see are the gaps between where I want to be and where I'm at right now? And what can I do to, to get there? Um, having that constant communication like that, I, I think I totally went off topic Yeah, so it's kind of like what I just did. Okay, I didn't. I I kind of forgot the question because I went on one of my tangents, and I'm not scared to go back and Mm -hmm. ask. So it's that whole asking people, like, hey, especially like if you're if you're trying to switch job positions or anything, informational sessions, informational interviews with people. Be like, hey, I'm very interested in the future in, in a position at your group. So I would love to learn more about you, what you do there. And like I said, everybody loves to talk about themselves. A lot of, especially students, they're like, oh, I don't want to talk to this professional. Um, they're busy. I don't want to be, I don't want to bother them. When in reality, it's like when kind of like you guys, you, you guys know when any student asks you for like advice or students want to learn about what you do, you feel excited. And for students, when any high school students ask them about college, they feel excited. So I feel like I tell them like it's the same exact thing. So we feel honored when you wanna learn about our jobs because we do it every day. So it's not that exciting anymore, but, but you're gonna think it's cool. So it's that whole, hey, what are you? And then that just opens the doors later for getting into those positions. Um, I've been very lucky where I've been able to kind of land positions that I really wanted and were very hard to get because of networking, just because I've, I've, I've gotten to a point that I'm very good at networking where people that are way of, I'm early career. So people that are like senior career and people that are like in leadership programs, um, they go talk to their managers and they say, Hey, I need to like, improve my networking. And they're like, You know what? Go talk to Arnold. Arnold seems to know everyone in networks really well. So people have actually gone to me and be like, Hey, so my manager told me you're really good at networking. I'm like, Cool. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's like senior managers and people way above, above me. They're like, Arnold's great at networking. Uh, but it's it also a combination of networking and also performing. So it's not just like, OK, networking is going to get you all the opportunities. It does help a lot, but it's also showing that you have that expertise and that performance.
0: So do you have any tips for anyone who's shy or introverted at work uh, and how they can get out of that shell and do some of this networking and communicating we've talked about?
2: I am very extroverted. So it's hard for me to answer that for people. Um, some of the things that I've learned is kind of the same as the Girl Scout cookies. You just need to do it. You just need to get out of your comfort zone and realize that it's awkward for everyone. So just start doing it and you'll start getting used to it. So it won't be as awkward anymore. Um, and starting slow, starting with like if you're thinking about social media, start about commenting. If you're thinking about um, going to conferences, start about just saying, hi, um, how's your day going? Starting slow. So I, I, that's what I think. But I would go to someone that's much better at that than, than me, to be honest, because I'm like, I'm super extroverted. So since a kid, I was always talking everywhere. So <laughs> it's never been a problem for me. It's, it's, the problem is for me to shut up sometimes. But that's, that's a whole other story. I can relate to that sometimes, for sure. So. <laughs>
3: So we know you work extensively with underrepresented groups in engineering particularly. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see these groups facing in in the workplace? And maybe what are some of the things that you encourage individuals to do to overcome some of these things?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is imposter syndrome. Usually it's people not thinking they're good enough because they've heard a comment or someone has told them or they see statistics and they don't think they're good enough. and I've, I've always had a level of imposter syndrome where it's like, I'm working at the biggest aerospace company in the world. I, I'm this, this kid that came from a warehouse working with a GED, not even a high school diploma. And I'm, I'm sitting next to people that were like born and raised to be great engineers. that went to MIT that went, that I've done all these great things. And I, I think it's just realizing that you're not there because you're lucky. Um, you're there because someone saw that, you, one, you brought th- different perspectives, plus you meet all the requirements. You're, you're definitely good enough. Or they're going to pay you. They're, they're going to make sure that you're good enough to be there. And then also is kind of getting out of your comfort zone because you start realizing all these other people, they're not, a, they're not much advanced than you are. <laughs> like, they, they, it was just, they're having more prestige, I guess. But in reality, it's like, oh, these people are kind of, they're just people too. And, and then the other thing is, there is a lot of non-traditional stories out there. because um, people just don't share them. And that's kind of what I, what I focus on. I wanna make sure that we start sharing those stories. Uh, when I started my podcast, um, I was talking to two very, very successful coworkers um, that, that are both big leaders in kind of like the Hispanic community um, in not just Boeing, but also like in aerospace that are big leaders. And I told them like, I think I have this non-traditional story that I would love to share with students to motivate them. And their the response was kind of like, Arnold, we all have stories. And I was like, "Huh? like, why don't you share that? Why, why don't you tell those students, hey, I, the first time I flew on an airplane was to go to a Boeing interview because they told me that. I'm like, you know how many students would be like, how can I ever work at a company like that? Or how can I ever work at Lockheed Martin or NASA if I'm if like, I've never even flown in an airplane. And like, if they heard those stories from you, if they heard those things, it would motivate people. So that's kind of the big thing that I I try to do. I try to share all those stories. And like in my podcast, we have people that were like, I grew up raising pigs in Mexico and now I'm a PhD at NASA. I grew up as a farm worker in California and now now I'm an astronaut. (laughs) So it's like all these stories that there's so many out there that just people are not sharing them. I mean, it goes back to like, they don't want kind of people to think they're less than everybody else. When in reality, you're like, you've made it so maybe you're even better because a lot of times if you're a minority, um, the statistics go against you. You get promoted after you, you, you need to work harder to get promoted. You get promoted after people in the typical. So and that's something that I've been very passionate about, making sure that I'm I'm not a statistic. Um, so I've been fighting that nonstop, always like, hey, it's not going to be good enough. I'm, I, I need to meet at least the average. So you, you need to make sure that happens. And that being outspoken kind of personality.
0: And what are some things that others can do to be better advocates of these underrepresented groups, especially in STEM?
2: Yeah, I think it's just um, one, bre- giving people opportunities, being, it's like, it's unconscious bias, learning that people have unconscious bias. That's a big thing. And it goes for everyone. If you are, if you don't tell me you have unconscious bias and you're just lying to yourself, it, even like myself, when I was recruiting, um, I tend to look for people that are like me, not color or race or, or gender. I tend to look at people that are extroverted. I tend to look for people that are like very good at speaking. And then I realized that I went to this whole training about it. Like, Hey, it's like, don't focus on making people that look like you focus on the facts, focus on what that person brings to the table. So I remember one of the first people that I, that I talked to at that, uh, one of the uh, colleges that I went to, to recruit, they're one of the first people in line. And when I talked to this person, it was very soft-spoken, very introverted, And I was just like, okay, I'm going to take my extra time um, to look through to kind of get that information. And it was like one of the most incredible people. I was like, this person has everything we're looking for. And that person ended up getting a job. And I was like, hey, that was not a person that I would not have picked if I wouldn't just because of unconscious bias, I would have filtered that person out because I was like, oh, this person's not like me, which unconsciously I would have done that. But just because I did those training and I started to realize I have unconscious bias, it's I took that extra look and I'm like, this person has everything that we're looking for. This person's a great candidate. Um. So I think a lot of it is just starting to, to learn more about it. One, learn about other people's cultures more. Be, be curious. And then two is start seeing, start taking some courses on unconscious bias. We all have it. Like you can be the most underrepresented group. They probably have unconscious bias about other groups too. And everybody has it and it's normal. So make sure you start realizing that so you can do better. I really appreciate you sharing that.
3: Another topic that is just on everybody's mind, especially now in 2021, is just the future of work and and what that's going to look like, what that means for everybody. And so we'd love to just get your thoughts, Arnold, on what do you think the future of the work looks like and and what's that going to mean, particularly for technical professionals and what we need to do?
2: Yeah, that's great for the introverts. I guess you don't have to go be in person with people anymore. Um, for me, it sucks because I'm very extroverted. So I always want to be in meetings. I want to be meeting people. I love the the, the people interaction, but I really think it's like a lot of people started missing the people interaction. So we started doing more Zooms. We started doing more videos and that's like in everything, not just at work, like in nonprofits, organizations, everything. We started doing that. I think It's in the past. It was oh, I'm gonna work from home. Like oh, can you really do this work from home? No one has that excuse anymore. It's like hey, I've been doing this work from home for like a year now, so I definitely can do my work from home. I feel that um, companies are gonna be much more flexible with letting people go off for kind of work from home scenarios. I do think there's a lot of traditional companies still that will prefer you to be in office all the time, but there will be much more flexibility. And then I think there's gonna be a lot of more um, realizing that that we need to invest and we need to learn how to communicate through virtually. Um, because in person, you see all these body language, you see all these cues. Um, and virtually, sometimes, especially like when, when you're at work, at least in my case, um, no one has their camera on. It's just you're just listening to voices. So you're presenting and you don't really see people's faces. You don't see if they're, they're like, this makes no sense. If they're yawning or if they're falling asleep, you don't get those feedbacks. So it's that learning that new ability of how to try to understand a room without really knowing who's there, asking more, and usually it's around asking more questions. That, that's how I kind of do it. So I think it's gonna, especially like the we all thought this was over now, and then Delta variant. So I was like, hey, I I don't know to be honest, but I would say that we've learned a lot how to adapt with this, and this is skills that we need to make sure we keep in the future.
0: And in that same thread, a lot of students are having to go through a recruiting cycle completely virtually, and even having to start a company completely virtually, and then employees are having to work completely virtually. So what are some ways that you have found to continue to have that presence, develop that network and still have growth and connections in spite of being virtual?
2: So I've actually, the last team, and the last team that I've been with, I've never met in person. I, the last whole year and a half, I've been working with teams that I've never met in person. Um everything has been virtual, and it goes back to that kind of what I mentioned earlier, where was like I try to learn people their personal side before their work side, so it's that whole trying to understand who these people are, not just the work related. So it's setting up one on one, setting up coffee chats uh, and virtually setting and presenting uh, about who you are, not being scared to speak up at meetings. That's how you start to overcome kind of this virtual stagnation, I guess from like the networking development side, um so yeah.
3: Well, thank you so much, Arnold, for meeting here with us today. And as we close things out, we'd love to just hear a little bit more about what you're working on right now, what, what you have that's exciting and, and coming up in, in your work, as well as just how people could reach out to you or connect with you if they'd like any more information.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, so if you make sure you follow me on LinkedIn, that's probably the best way to find out about anything that I do. Arnold Morales. Also, like I have, I think I have like Arnold, the engineer also, um, I have like Instagram, but I usually use that more for personal things. Uh, and then following the podcast website, and it's not a podcast anymore, it's a nonprofit. Um, we kind of went away from the podcast area. We actually we're on hold with our podcast, so we're doing all these other events and I'll mention a couple. So make sure you follow the non-traditional college success LinkedIn page as well. And what are we working on right now? We, we throw out a lot of small initiatives. One that I started was I, I was looking at my books and, and, I, and I have like, 20, 30 college textbooks. And I was like, hey, these have been gathering dust for three years here. I'm not using any of them. I'm going to give them away to followers. I'm going to give them away to students that need them. These are expensive textbooks. Students need them. Um, I'm going to get like pennies for what, what they're worth, what I paid for compared to helping student out. So I started to um, kind of give those away. And and that's and that's like people have been jumping on that. So that's one of the things that we want to grow in the future. Um, we want to start reaching out to more professionals and just finding out, hey, do you have engineering textbooks that you no longer are going to use or just gathering dust? If you do, why don't we give them away to students that need them? That's one of the things that I'm working on right right now. Um, The other thing is we're setting up resume reviews for students where we've gotten like 20, 30 engineering volunteers um, to to review like 60, 70 resumes from students. Um, Students just need that extra help. Plus it's a networking opportunity for students. They get to meet a professional where some students have probably never met a professional before. And that was my case. I knew I, I had never met an engineer before. I went started in community college, so that's one of the other things. And then I have LinkedIn Lives on Tuesdays. Um, I, I the last couple was around resumes, about job search strategies, about elevator pitch. Um, the next one's coming up is about LinkedIn, how to have a, a LinkedIn to, for job searchers to find you, how to have what was the other one that I have? So LinkedIn interviews and salary negotiation. Those are the next LinkedIn Lives. And I also we do a lot of panels. So we and and we kind of change depending on the season. So we did some panels on diversity topics. So black engineers, woman engineers, um, Hispanic engineers, we did several panels for those. Then we did panels about companies, the Boeing company, NASA, Lockheed Martin, um, Intel, Google, we did all these panels for like specifically companies. So students understood these companies and like kind of did the research for them at that panel. And then we also started to do some, some panels around engineering professions, because a lot of times you you graduate as a mechanical engineer, as an electrical engineer, and then you look for a job and you don't see mechanical engineer posted anywhere. You see project engineer, you see systems engineer, you see structures engineer. So you don't really know what that is. Um, and that's a big disadvantage, especially for non-traditional students. So we, we did panels on what is systems engineering. and We brought in systems engineer. What is um, project engineering? What is so pretty much? And those are the type of event we do. We also do the podcast. It's like I think we have like 42 episodes now. That's kind of on hold, but hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll restart that. And we have like this hiring database with like a whole bunch of hiring managers that you can reach out to. And yeah, and we have a lot of, a lot of things like that. So make sure you're following me. Um, send me a message and I'll send you like a whole bunch of links and I'll send you my, my template. <laughs> here's, all the, here's all these free resources.
0: That's awesome. And you've already given us the tip on how to get a, a call with you too, is to stand out a little bit and not just send a paragraph, yeah. but actually finding a good connection. So I like that. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, if you send me a message and I just sent you a, a blank template, or like this template, this message with a whole bunch of stuff is because you didn't convince me enough to, to talk to you more than that. It's, it's I, like a tip. that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But you're, it sounds like you're encouraging students to still be persistent and uh, continue to um, reach out if they get rejected, but it, then continue to try to make that connection.
2: Yeah. And even if it is like with me, it's more of a learning situation for students, but for like hiring managers, they, they need yeah. to really get that like don't be scared to keep reaching out because <laughs> you right. want you want that job. I, I won't give you a job, but I'll give you some advice and I'll be like, hey, you got all follow free advice. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for being on, Arnold. There's a lot of great uh, tips and, and uh, tricks and I feel like so much good content for all of our listeners to help them kind of take the next step in their career. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it.
1: What challenges are you facing at work or in your career? Do you like what you're hearing here or have anything to add to the discussion? Be sure to hit subscribe on our podcast to keep the conversation going and let us know your thoughts by reaching out to us. Links to our social media channels as well as our email are included in the show notes.